Thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 122 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Last weekend, Kevin ran his first full marathon since a series of seizures back in 2017. So today's episode, we are going to talk about his journey back from that medical diagnosis in his race this weekend and everything that he's learned along the way. This is the Real Life Runners podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. So we had a big weekend last weekend, Kev. Yes, because there was a lot of driving. There was a lot of driving, yes. A lot of time in the car. A lot of bathroom (laughs) stops along the way with two girls and small bladders. Yes, it was (laughs) was an interesting way to spend the last weekend of Christmas break, but yeah, it it was a big weekend. Yeah, so... For those of you who are maybe new to us, welcome. We're so glad you're here, and thanks for for tuning in and listening to us. But if you might not know um, Kevin's backstory, basically Kevin has been a runner his whole life and has been a very, very fast runner for his whole life. And um, in 2016, well, sir, 2015, you ran a full marathon and, and got second place. Yep. And then in 2017, I'm sorry, I said 15, 16. 2016, I ran the Space Coast Marathon. I right. got second place. And you got second. And then in 2017, February, you ran the Fort Lauderdale Marathon and won first place yep. in the full. And then about a month and a half later, he had a seizure out of the blue Never had a problem before, like there's no family history of seizures, nothing, just completely out of the blue, um, had a seizure one day and the doctors weren't able to give us any idea of why. And so to make a very, very long story short, he then had two other seizures that year, one in August and one on New Year's Eve, December 31st. Because I wanted to fit them all into 2017. (laughs) Yeah, you like to point that out. So he had three seizures in 2017 with for no reason and none of the doctors we saw multiple neurologists we but, saw multiple seizure specialists i say there's a reason just just there's no reason anybody can tell us yes. and we saw plenty of people and they threw every test they could at us and i got the photos to prove it there were some interesting tests that we went through and mm-hmm. you know neurologists they were like well I don't think that we're going to find anything from that test, but sure, I'll sign off on it. Right. In all sorts of tests that they were throwing at us, and they can't come up with a cause. Right. Nothing that we could actually point to on any sort of diagnostic test. So Kevin and I started looking at other lifestyle things that could possibly be going on, and one of the neurologists that we spoke to kind of pointed to marathons and running um, at that high of a level and with that much intensity and um, as a possible cause, like Kevin came away from that. I heard him visit. say, you can't run anymore. <laughs> right. Like that's, those are the words that I heard him say. You know how people say things and then there's what we actually hear? I have no idea what this man told me. Yeah. But I heard the words, you can't run a marathon again and you probably shouldn't train at that level at all. Right. And that's not what the guy said at all. <laughs> um, but he basically just bi- explained, you know, when you're taking your body to such extreme levels, like with marathon training and such, um, that that's just 
putting so much stress on the body that maybe one more thing stacked on top of the stress that you already had in your life was just too much and pushed you over that threshold. Right, which is what you calmly explained to me on the ride home from the doctor that we have not <laughs> visited again. That, yes, that we will not go back to. And, I mean, I'm sure he was fine. And I'm sure that if I had that conversation with you before we met him, I would have heard different things. But then we talked about it and then we went and saw a third neurologist who I probably would have to guess that said very similar things, Mm -hmm. but she did not say the words, you can't run a marathon. In fact, I asked her, can I run a marathon? And she kind of made this sort of thought of like, well, you've done it before. It's not like you had a seizure in the middle of the marathon, Mm -hmm. but yes, there's a lot of stresses on you simultaneously. And it's not that that caused it, but everything in your life at the same time that was just too much Mm -hmm. and so one of the things that Kevin and I kind of came to is this lack of sleep lack of recovery because during your marathon training um, at that time you were not doing it in the smartest way possible no I was up until midnight doing you know grading papers from school and then I would get up at like 4 35 o'clock in the morning and go crank out 10 mile runs Mm -hmm. which is not really the best strategy just averaging five to six hours of sleep a night and then training at like 70 to 80 miles a week was a you know Probably too much. Probably too much. And so that's when we really started looking at you and running in a whole different light, basically. Looking at the whole runner as a a person. I was going to say, it's funny that you say the whole different light because we looked at at the whole experience of training Mm -hmm. and everything that goes into it. Mm -hmm. Physical from literally actually going out and and putting foot to, to pavement and the steps that you're taking to the sleep that you're going through to the food that you're taking in, what what you're doing for recovery, other stresses in life from work and family. And we looked at everything and how much was all taking place at the same time mm-hmm. and basically decided that my my training needed a massive overhaul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you basically overhauled your training and it really overhauled our whole company too. Like, cause we had just started on this journey of like our podcast started in 2017, like after your two of your seizures, Yes, you know, so we had just kind of started on this journey. I knew I wanted to start a podcast. I knew I wanted to help people, but so we had ideas of what we wanted to do, but we really have evolved so much since then because of this journey. It was tough to focus the ideas when we had to keep visiting the hospital every few months. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make things, doesn't make for a smooth and easy sailing or thinking or planning of anything. Right, but we were still knowing. pretty consistent of hitting the podcast every week. We were, yeah. <laughs> there was only one, we have only missed one week so far. Is that since when I lost launched. my voice? Uh, yeah, I think it was like in February of like the first year or something. Yeah, I got the flu and lost my voice for way too many days in yeah. a row and we just couldn't pull it off. So anyway, that's a, that's a, a small background um, condensed into a few minutes there of kind of where we were leading up to this marathon. So the you know the idea of training for a full marathon was definitely something that made me nervous as his loving wife, and um, you know. When Kevin told me we had a we had to have a conversation after all of this, and I said, you know, is this something that you really want to do again? Like, is is running a full marathon important to you? That you know, we don't know if this is ha- has any influence on your seizures, but if is it important for you to do again? And and I said it was, mm-hmm. and so and which made you nervous, mm-hmm. which definitely made you nervous, and you know, I don't want to get you upset. Like, I don't want to do things that. 
and scare you more than they should. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like we agreed that I would be seizure free for a full year before I actively was training for a full marathon. Right. And I was, I ran Key West last year mm-hmm. and I trained for a half and my mileage stayed lower. And I, I and, was, you were, and, and you started medication. I started medication right. and I was sleeping and I was more conscientious of, of everything. And I'm like, look, I'll keep my training at a lower level and let's see how it goes training for a half marathon because mm-hmm. my volume for that is way different than my volume for a full. Right. And so we kind of agreed that this would sort of be like a test along the way to see if I can train how I wanted to, but for at least a, a shorter race, mm-hmm. not that 13 is, is short. Well, and you won the race. Also. I did win the race. Yeah. Yes. But so he was training at that level, you I, know, the level that he was able to go out and win a half marathon. Right. So, um, and, and it worked and, yep. and I felt good during the training. I felt good after the race, like everything was good about that. So then I, I gingerly kind of made my way of like, all right, I'm going to hit a marathon in 2019. And I missed it by like six days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you kind of like started ramping up your training just gradually. Like, and I'm like, Kevin, are you training for a marathon that you're just not telling me about? Because <laughs> I never signed up for anything. Right. I just, I you just started to slowly ramp up your mileage. That's the thing is I ran Key West last January and then my mileage was pretty low for February. And then I just kind of started bringing it up and bringing it up and bringing it up. And by May, I think I was pretty consistently hitting 200 miles a month. And I just kind of carried that through for pretty much the rest of the year. Yeah. And I was like, are we actually going to have a discussion about this? <laughs> no, I thought, I'm going to go for a run now because <laughs> I like to avoid confrontation by running. <laughs> so it was definitely something that we agreed um, that he needed to take care of himself better if he was going to train for a full marathon at that level. Cause it's not just completing a marathon for Kevin. Like he wants to train to run a fast time. He wants to train to try to hit a PR to try to win a race. Like he's training at very elite types of levels. Right, I'm trying to hit a podium. Yeah. You're trying to hit a podium. And so that's like a whole different level of training versus just trying to complete a marathon, which is an, an amazing task in and of itself, you know, just running 26.2, but then trying to actually like race and win and you know, hit 26.2 at that kind of level is a whole different level of training. You're training more like a professional and more of like an elite and professional elite runners don't have full-time jobs and they get sleep and they have two hour naps in the middle of the day. And they have all these training luxuries that they can afford that you don't have because you work a full-time job and a second job with this, our coaching company and have a family with young kids and all these other things. So we talked about how to make it work and how to make sure that you, Kevin was getting enough recovery and sleep and nutrition and everything and taking care of himself so that I would be as little nervous as possible. And I told you that <laughs> if I was not feeling good and I needed to take an off day that I would, right. this was one of the other things that I had going back in 2016 is for I'd have no idea what reason I decided a running streak would be in order. Mm-hmm. And it led me to probably run on days that I shouldn't have run. Right. And during the last year, if I didn't feel good, I just didn't run that day. And it wasn't like I felt I felt really bad and oh this is I feel something coming on and I've right. got to take a nap, but it would be like, oh, we stayed up too late last night. So instead of getting up this morning and and losing some sleep, 
I'm just going to sleep in. And if I can run in the afternoon, I can. And if I just take an off day, then I'm just going to have an off day in the middle of the week and Mm -hmm. I'll tweak the back end of the week and it's going to be fine. Yeah. You were way better about doing that. It's like you kind of flipped over and were like, you know, you know what? I'm going to get more sleep. I need to sleep in today or I'm going to take an off day. Like you were way better about taking more rest and recovery than you ever have been in the past. Which freaked you out at first also because you're like, um, you know, we, we're all going to need to adjust our schedules so that he can still run in the afternoon. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be fine. I'll change my and schedule. I'm like, but then you're going to be grumpy and I don't want to deal with like grumpy Kevin that missed his run. And I've gotten better <laughs> at have. trying to not be so grumpy because I missed my run because part of that issue was not that I need the run for the mental relaxation. Like that is definitely part of it. I definitely enjoy like me time. Like that's my time. Mm-hmm. You know, you like to go out with people. I like to go run by myself. That's, <laughs> we both have, a, I'm a little bit more introverted than you are. Um, <laughs> But we both have what, what rejuvenates us, and that's that's one of my things. And so if I don't get that time, yes, I can get a little bit um, off. Edgy? Edgy. That's a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. But part of the, the other side of why I get a little edgy, shall we say, <laughs> is I've, I've got a training schedule, and I'm supposed to go out and run eight miles today. So if I'm going to enter a zero on the training log instead of an eight, I'm... I'm missing those eight critical miles. Right. And this year, as we mentioned a few episodes back, I never signed up for the race. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even have a specific race picked out of what it was going to be. I was just trying to build mileage and get in really good shape. Right. And so if I missed a day, it was going to be okay because there wasn't really a, a hard deadline mm-hmm. that I was coming up on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was in- an interesting way for you to train and kind of approach this race in general. Um, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on that looking back. Back now, like how that maybe affected the outcome, um, but we'll get into that in a little bit here. So, basically, Kevin's build up to this race was a, a pretty big build up. It was um, two years seizure free. You know, we hit that on on New Year's Day of this year um, was his official two year mark, and so this race was a celebration of that, you know, that was a really big part of what this race symbolized for us is, is him, you know, being seizure free for two years and overcoming that and basically not letting anything stand in his way of what he is really passionate about and what he really wants to do with his life. And I think that that was huge. And that was one of the things that made me feel so proud of you. Not that I wasn't nervous, you know, along the way, especially when we get into the race about, you know, what yeah, we'll happened. discuss the nerves. Yeah. During the race here. Um, but in, in those of you that were maybe following along in the tribe, I did go live a few times. And I know that a lot of our tribe members were, were tracking you. Yeah. If you were live. following, thank you. Yeah. That was really cool to see that, that support from, from you guys. So thank you so much for all, all of the everyone that reached out and congratulated Kevin or followed along or cheered him or tracked him like it just means so much to us the cheers before and after were so genuinely appreciated like I went through and like if you posted on on Facebook or Instagram and literally all you wrote was congrats I went through and read all of those comments like I made sure that I caught all of them and I appreciate every single one of those yeah he's not always the best about responding but he does see them and he does very much appreciate them so, um, okay, so should we get into, like, 
to the to the race itself here. Yeah. So I think that we've done a pretty good job kind of setting the scene here, like knowing that you know, this was a really big deal for Kevin. This was a really big deal for our family. This was a really big milestone for, for us. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, when they go into a, a marathon, they get, you know, the the classic online 16-week marathon prep. I had a two-year marathon prep. And, <laughs> and the first year... It's a little intense. I, the, well, the first year I couldn't prep for the marathon, but arguably I was two years mentally preparing to race 26 miles again. Mm. And then I was months and months preparing for it. And we've talked before about how when your prep is so long, it makes the race almost bigger than it needs to be. And that was not the feeling I had going in. Like I really did not feel overwhelmed by this race. Mm -hmm. You know, I talked to our daughter, uh, like a few days before about the race. And she asked, like, she asked me, are you nervous? And I said, no, I know I can run 26 miles. Like I have no, no fear or nerves about running 26 miles. And I mean, I, I run pretty quick. And so please no one take offense by the numbers I throw out here. But I'm like, if I wanted to run 26 miles and I, and I'm like, I'll do it in three hours. I wouldn't even blink. I've got it. But that's not my goal. My goal is faster than that. And that's where I'm like, Ooh, I don't know how much, how that's going to go and it's going to hurt a whole lot. And, but like, I wanted to reassure her, don't worry, I can run a marathon. I'm good. Mm -hmm. It's just that it's going to be painful because I know how fast I want to do it. Right. And I think that, you know, listening to Kevin's numbers for those of us that are not even close to those numbers, um, or could not even fathom or imagine ever running that fast, like, you, I, I just encourage you, please don't tune out, okay? Because there are some people that I think, you know, hear Kevin and like, oh my God, he's so fast. Oh God, can't even break three hours, you know? But it's not like that at all. Like you can insert whatever number that is for you, you know? Like maybe, Completely. you know, maybe you've run a marathon before and you've run it in five hours and to you, you know, you would want to break four and a half or four. Like you would want to get down to four or something, you know, like that's the scary number for you. Like whatever that number is for you, that's the same feeling that Kevin has. Like his numbers are just different. And I think that that's important to point out that just because he's so much faster than the rest of us, like he still has a lot of the same feelings that we do. We all have the exact same feelings. Yeah. There was somebody I follow on, uh, I think he's got the third fastest qualifying time for the U.S. trials coming up here uh-huh. is uh, Scott Fauble. He He finished super high up at the Boston Marathon and someone posted about his workout and he goes, dude, your workout and my workout has the exact same feelings to it. Mm-hmm. It's just different numbers on the clock. Exactly. Like it's just different numbers. Exactly. So don't, you know, don't tune out. Like there's a lot that you can take away from this episode, like listening to kind of Kevin and his results and his struggles and everything in between here. So... Okay, so you weren't really that nervous then, but you were? Like, tell us a little bit more about your mindset going into the race. So the race, I mean, like we said, there was a lot of buildup to it, but I really, I was trying to view this race more as a victory lap than, than like a race, you know, it was, it was a very different mindset. Like I've gone into so many races and with, with all races, you feel a little bit nervous, especially the marathon. It's hard to feel fully prepared for a marathon. Like you still are going to have to go out and race 26 miles. And you're like, Oh man, that long run. If I could bet an extra mile onto that one or, or that workout, if I just had, had an extra, whatever it is, you always 
to race 26, you're always thinking that uh, if I could have squeezed a little extra out of that thing, then I'd be more prepared. And that's always in the back of your mind. But I came into this one feeling as prepared as I could. And Mm -hmm. I think part of it is that we preach this over and over that I'm going to run as fast as I can run on that day. I don't know how fast that's going to be, but it's going to be as fast as I can possibly run on that day. And then, you know, I'm looking at the weather and we're here down in South Florida where, you know, it gets to be like 60 degrees and all the kids at my school are wearing parkas and wrapping (laughs) themselves in like blankets. Like, Mr. Brown, it's so cold in this room. I'm like, it's 75 in the classroom. It's it's going to be okay. You don't need that blanket. Air conditioning is colder than like outside air though. I will say that. (laughs) I know, but air conditioned 75 does not require a coat and a blanket over your lap. It just doesn't. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, um, but it was going to be 40 at start time, which is perfect running weather. It's amazing running weather, but not amazing running weather that I'm used to. It had been a long Mm -hmm. time since I'd run in 40. Yeah. So trying to figure out how I'm going to deal with that. How you're going to dress. How I'm going to, yeah. What am I supposed to be wearing for this? Because that's, that's downright cold. I mean, that's arguably cold for people who run in cold. It's Mm -hmm. still 40. Like Mm -hmm. you're going to have to put on some, some extra layers and stuff for that. How do I warm up and stuff? So, um, I got, had to find the appropriate gloves and stuff. Um, but I felt pretty good going into the race. Yeah. I felt like I've, I can do this thing and the, the weather is cooperating. If the wind dies down, this is just going to be an awesome race. And the course is a pancake. Mm-hmm. Like the Jacksonville course is an absolute pancake. Right. So everything was lining up that it should go really smoothly for mm-hmm. me. Okay. So how did it go? Well, then they started the race and, uh, it's a 5k half marathon and full marathon that all start simultaneously. Right. So I was standing next to a dude and thankfully all the race numbers are different colors. So I look at the kid next to me who's like much younger and he's over there like like jumping before the race. I'm like, there's no way this kid's doing the marathon. I look at the front, I'm like, 5K runner. So they fire the gun and there was a pack of people that took off at like sub five minute pace. Yeah. I'm like, see you guys later. And uh, I, I kind of, I got in my flow and I'm going and I knew that I was moving quick, but I wasn't moving like out of control quick. I was, I was in control. First marathon I ran Space Coast a few years ago, I was definitely just going. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's a marathon. This is going to be awesome. And I, I just And you tried off. to keep up with that other kid. I tried to keep up with this other guy yeah. and I ran his race. This time from the get-go, I'm like, no, run within yourself, run what you can do. And I was aggressive, but I ran within myself and it went it went really well. I was hitting good paces right off the bat. I was yeah, you were con- crushing it. I was consistently somewhere around like low five thirties per right. mile. And what like what were your goals going into this? Right, so I had three. Yeah. Um. The I don't know. The, you want should I start biggest or smallest? Either. Okay. So the biggest goal, like your A goal. So we talk about setting multi-level goals. I know that you kind of had that down a little bit further in the outline. We can talk about it again, but basically we, we coach people to set multi-level goals, like an A goal, a B goal and a C goal. And the A goal is like, if everything lines up perfectly, which it was, yeah, then that's like your ultimate, like I, like I'm capable of it, but everything has to completely line up perfectly for me to hit that. And then your B goal is something that you're like going to be really happy with. And then your C goal is something that you're pretty sure you can hit and that you would still be happy with. And you're still going to be very satisfied. You're still going to be satisfied. So like there's, there's joy and satisfaction with all of them. And A goal is if everything lines up and then the race starts and, and you're feeling it. Yeah. Because sometimes everything lines up and they fire the gun and you're just like, whoop, not today. Right. And on this day, I, I was feeling it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, we're going for it. We're going for A. And A was sub 230. Whoo-wee. Which is, is quick. That is fast. It's a 
about 545 pace. 545? Roughly. Um, and then my Beagle was uh, 235, mm-hmm. just because it's a nice round number. And the Seagull was 237.20. Okay. Because that's six-minute pace. That's six-minute pace, right. So those are my goals. And if I were the gun and I start cranking and I'm hitting like mid 530s and I am not feeling like I am running mid 530s. Mm-hmm. And like that's part like so much of the study I've done on like how how can you keep pushing like when does the body say no it's time to stop? Part of it is does the speed does the the how fast you're going match up with how your body feels. Cause if you're going faster than it feels like you're going, you can just keep running that all, all day long. And if you're going so fast and you feel like you're going even faster and you look down at your watch, you're like, Ooh, I'm not even as fast as it feels like I should be going right now. It's a terrible day. Yeah. Like if you feel more tired than you should with that pace, but it wasn't, it felt good. Like I was going and it felt great until it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> And when did that happen? So about halfway through, I hit the halfway mark. I was I was still doing great. I was right on pace. And my calves started feeling it a little bit around mile 13. Okay. So you started, like Kevin came through at the, the halfway mark in third place. And I knew that he was not, like his goal in this race was not to place. Like his goal was time-based. Like yes. he really wanted to, because, you know, he doesn't know. He's like, I don't know who's going to show up. I don't know if there's going to be somebody trying to hit an Olympic qualifier time or what's going on. Like you never know. Because you could have used this as an Olympic qualifier. Yeah. It just barely made the cutoff. Right. And then, and it, there has been some really fast people at this race in the past. Yeah. The the course record's like 212. Right. So, you know, you never know. So he wasn't really thinking about place, but he came through through in third place and he was looking so strong we saw him just after the halfway point and you were looking great at that point right I hit the halfway in 114 mm-hmm. which was still nicely und- I had a little cushion at the 230 I had a cushion on my a goal yeah and somewhere around that 13 14 miles my calves I, they started being achy not like, oh no, this is terrible, but I could just start feeling my calves more. And up to that point, I was just going, like I was just running. And suddenly I started feeling my calves a little bit more. And then by 18 or so, I had already been, I got caught and passed somewhere around like 15, 16. And then by 18, my, both my calves were now screaming. And I think that I'd been adjusting my form since like mile 13. And so now my left hamstring is also screaming. And so now I've got this sort of like offset. I'm, I'm definitely not symmetrical anymore. I'm now leaning to the one side because my hamstring is getting really, really sore on the left side. And this is right after we saw you because we saw you at 17. Yeah, you saw me at 17. Yeah. And you were looking still pretty good. I was not feeling good at that yeah. point. Um, but still looked good. Yeah. And so somewhere around 18, the hamstring started going. The left one went. As soon as the left one went, within a half mile, the right one went. So now everything is just achy from basically the legs down, like the hips down. Um, hamstrings, calves, I'm, I'm hurting. By mile 22, I hit mile 20, and now I'm doing the math. You know? Yeah. Like, okay, well, I hit my 20 miles, and I hit it in like 156 yeah. Or hour fifty, One, yeah. hour and fifty six, something 56, like that. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so if I can just hold this pace for the rest of it, then I might still be able to hit this number. And within like a half mile after mile twenty, I I had to walk. My my right calf like just, just bit so hard it on seized. me. I'm like, oh, and that's not good. And now I'm I'm reworking the math in my head. Yeah. Like every half mile, I'm reworking the math. And by mile twenty two, I now realize that I just needed to get to the finish line. Eagle was 
way gone. Beagle was not not happening, and Seagull was now mathematically out of reach. Oh. And I had and you I realize a, this at like twenty two around twenty two, oh. uh, with over four miles to go. I now realize that Seagull is not an option. Oh man, and. And I'm, I'm four miles away from the finish line. Right. So now it's, it is, why are you still running? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, because there's still people. There's still people waiting because I'm still finishing this marathon because I'm still showing why I put in this training. I, I am running and I am finishing this marathon. Mm-hmm. And so then, like, some more people were passing me. I was dying at this point. Calves are, like, everything is just lit up on me. And people would pass. They'd be like, come on, man, you got this. And I'm like, you're doing great. And now I'm cheering for people as they pass me. Like, I'm not even trying to keep up with them when they catch me because I've got nothing left. Like, I'm spent. Like, fuel-wise, I'm doing great. But my legs like are... breathing and everything else is fine. Yeah, I was cheering other people because you've got people that are coming out towards you because it's like an out and back on part of the course and so people were coming towards me and then there was a part where I caught back up with like the half marathon finishers so people who were finishing the half somewhere in that like three to three and a half hour range I was passing them um and they're all cheering and I'm cheering back for them I could breathe I could breathe just fine my legs wouldn't move yeah at the speed that I wanted them to move Mm -hmm. and like so flip over like to us you know we're we're waiting for (laughs) Kevin at the finish line and And you got my 20 mile split I got your 20 mile split yeah so basically we got you know we saw Kevin at just past the 13 at the 15 and at the 17 because of the way that the course is um arranged and then so after we left we saw him at 17 we got in the car and i was like you know i don't think that they recommended one more viewing spot at like 23 i told you don't go there because you won't get to the finish line i didn't think we would get to the finish line fast enough right with you running at that pace so turns out you easily could have made it to the finish line (laughs) so (laughs) so we skipped that one and we just went straight to the finish line and so we're there and I got Kevin's 20 mile split. And so we're sitting there waiting and I'm like, okay, so he should be in right around two, a little over two thirty. Like it looked like I could tell you were slowing down, you know, between 17 and um, 20. And so I could tell you were slowing down. So I was like, okay, I should, he should be coming in, but I still think he's got under two thirty five. Like you still had it based on that split. Yep. And so I'm like watching my watch and I'm like, okay, it's, it's nine 30 and nine 31. And then 9.32, and I'm like, come on, Kevin, you should be coming. Come on, Kevin. 9.33, 9.34. And now, now I'm starting to get nervous, you know, because I thought you had, not, you know, 2.35 without a problem. And so then the girls and I were, like, hanging out on one corner, and I, like, walked out toward the street. Because, like, at the very end of the race, like – it like he's running down the street and then you like basically turn into this school and you run across some grass and then you finish on a track. Yep. And so we were um, like standing just inside the entrance to the school so that we could see him there and then like run over and see him at the finish line on the track. And so I wasn't seeing him. So I walked out of the school to like look down the street and I looked down the street and I couldn't see you anywhere and you can see pretty far down you can the see street. pretty far down the street and so then my stomach like i was i was getting nervous you know because then your mind starts to th- to fear the worst you know and, and i'm like oh my gosh and so i'm like look I'm like, come on come on kevin I, and i start praying you know i start praying and i, I go over to, pl- to the police officer and the police officer standing there and i said um, would you know if anything happened to one of the runners on, on the um, course? And he said, what's the bib number? And I said, 150. And he's like, I haven't heard anything about 150. And I was like, okay, but you would have heard. Uh, he goes, I've heard something about number 11 and number 486. And I was like, okay, so you would know. He's like, yes, I, I, I get updates. And I'm like, okay. So I'm like, 
he's, I'm like, just trust, you know, just put your faith and your trust and just pray. He's going to, everything's going to be okay. But the thing is that like, you don't know the course, but having now run the course, if anything went poorly during those last six miles, there are so many people. There were stretches, of course, that were kind of remote, where there would not be a person who would have found me for a little while because there was a gap between me and the person in front of me and mm-hmm. the person behind me. And you hadn't caught the half marathon people Exactly. Yet. Yeah. But during that last stretch, you're surrounded by so many people. Mm-hmm. So if anything had actually happened to me on the course, some, there would have been multiple people with lots of cell phones that all would have been... Yeah. Like, I would have been ambulances coming or right 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 so. so so then after i talk to the cop then i kind of look and i finally see him and he's he's coming and he looks like he's in pain <laughs> and i was like oh shoot and i'm like okay i'm like thank god everything's fine he's still he's, running he's still moving he's still running <laughs> running <laughs> yeah so then he finished the race and um you know was in a lot of pain a lot of pain a lot of pain so he ended up running a 243, which to, to the rest of us is still incredible. Um, but like like you said, missed all three goals. It's the slowest marathon that I've raced. Technically, I ran a marathon. I ran the Chicago Marathon when I was in college, but I didn't train well for didn't that. Really I definitely train. I definitely was not racing that one. Yeah. Um, I, I ran that marathon to show that I could run a marathon. I ran that marathon to kind of to you... take control of my own running. Yeah. I ran this marathon to take control of my running to show that I could, I can do this. Mm. And, and the number was sort of important, but today, I mean, for this one. Yeah, but sort of like there was, there was a whole different feeling to this. Um, you know, and, and afterwards the emotions after this race were very different than emotions after other races. You know, I finished what I finished seventh in the race. Yeah. Seventh overall. Um, and I didn't hit any of my time. I missed all of them. I missed all of the the time goals, and yet afterwards, this is probably the most like satisfied and joyful I have been after a race, mm-hmm. which which was weird. Like mm-hmm. we're driving home, and you're like, like you you're like, and but you you feel real satisfied about this. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, as though I was faking it. Like, I asked you if you were faking it. Like I straight up said, "Are you faking this?" And like, you're no. like, "No, I'm not." I'm <laughs> like, "Really?" Because you like you seem really good. Like you seem. <laughs> happy you seem okay with everything because like in the past like if the race doesn't go the way he wants it to go like he'll be mad he'll be angry he won't want to talk to me like he had a smile on his face the whole time like after this race you were just happy and I was like okay what's going on like yeah it was it was a combination of (laughs) painful grimace and smile but there was a smile under the pain right right and like and it was a true genuine emotion smile and I like you said, I've had all sorts of emotions following races. Mm-hmm. I've had, um, I've had relief, you know, following a race. Mm-hmm. I've had joy that then quickly was washed away by wishful thinking of what could have been in that race. Yeah, that's a, I get that one a lot. I I think that I'm not alone in getting that one. I'm sure uh, I'm a sure. lot of our wishners, our wishners, our wishners, yeah, our listeners, our listeners have had the joy <laughs> followed by what if, yeah, um, which which just swallows the joy. Which is so unfortunate. This one, I just had joy. Yeah. Um, I've had anger. I've had resentment. I've I've just sat there and judged myself about, oh, th- I did this wrong and this wrong. I know exactly what I did in this race. And you asked, you're like, would you have changed it? Like, knowing how the last few miles went down, would you have done it differently? And if you ask me again right now, I'm like, ugh. When now, like, several days removed, sure, I probably should not have taken it out that fast. Mm-hmm. That might not have been the smartest thing. But... I'm still not sure because mm-hmm. I, I really went for it. You went for it. Um, and I've done this before. 
and I've taken it out way too fast and died at the end of a race. And the last time that I can really recall that happening, besides Cocoa Beach that I took out the opening like mile way too fast and then had to run the next 24 completely solo, which mm-hmm. was annoying, um, but was a 5K in college. That it was just like a random fun run 5K in college. And this one kid in the meet ran and he just took off like full sprint at the beginning of it. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think he should be leading it. And so I just sprinted after him. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like with like one of my friends, we kind of like sprinted after him. And I kind of got up next to him. And like the jerk that I sometimes was in college, I was like, hey, hot shot. It looks like you're running a little fast. And then rapidly pulled away from him. (laughs) And I just dusted this kid in the opening half mile. And I I was done. I finished second in the race. Not to that kid. That kid was spent. He was spit out the back. My roommate actually passed me. (laughs) (laughs) Won the race. (laughs) I finished second. And uh, on a total side story, I won a gift certificate to the nice restaurant on campus. And we went on a date on that one. Um, But that was the last time that happened. That was our first real date. And... uh, it was it was weird kind of how that one that one worked out but i was i still have the t-shirt from that race as a lesson to not take it out stupidly fast like every time i wear that shirt i'm like that was the lesson that was the lesson from that race don't take it out stupid fast you will die and i did the same thing in this one i took it out really fast but i didn't take it out out of control i took it out how i thought i needed to to give the a goal a chance mm-hmm. i went 100% all in on the a goal and at mile 7 when i started breathing a little bit heavy i'm like nope keep on going you've got a goal because my legs weren't weren't hurting i was still going and i'm like no you're going for the a goal for as long as you possibly can and you know in the the high before i made it to like 10 i'm like 7 8 9 i'm making this call in my head and i'm thinking to myself if you don't hit the A goal, you're probably not hitting any of them. And so I, by the time I was dead at mile 22, I was already miles past that decision of today is the day, A goal, or just crossing the finish line. Mm -hmm. I made the decision back at mile eight. So when my legs at mile 22 were like, dude, you're screwed. I'm like, yeah, well, I made the call. I made the call miles ago. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. Didn't work out the best this time. (laughs) Like that's, and that's what happened. So yeah, so it was pure joy because I, I went for it. And you made, consciously made that decision. Yes. I did not do something stupid and chase some kid. I I knew the paces I was running. I was I was right on the numbers that I was aiming for, and it didn't work. Yeah. So, but but you were still able to see all the good in that, and that I think is a huge testament to all of the mindset work that you know you've been doing and that we've been doing together, and that we've been teaching to our clients. Like it, it, it I feel like, and, and I even said this to you on the way home, like when we were driving home. Yeah, you did. This is good. And I was like, you know, Kev, I go, I feel like this is exactly how this race was supposed to go. Like, of course, you know, this is obviously easy for me to say. I'm not the one that ran it. But um, it would have been almost easy to, like, if you did hit the goal. Like, if you hit the goal, that would have been amazing. It would have been incredible, all of those things. But I'm like, I feel like this was, like, the universe testing you and saying, like, okay, these are all the things that you've been preaching to everybody. These are all the things that you've been coaching people with. Now, can you actually apply them? Yeah, can you actually race with an experimental mindset? Because mm-hmm. like you said, 
I didn't know who was going to show up in this one. So right. I was definitely not racing for place. Mm-hmm. And if you're not racing for place, then you're very often racing a clock. Mm-hmm. You are racing this some number, you know, whether you will admit it to other people or you just admit it in the back of your head, whether it's, you know, written on the bathroom mirror, there's probably a number going in, in your head. Yeah. And yes, I had numbers. I had all three goals. I had them. But what I really went into this race, and I think that's why I was able to stand on the starting line without much nerves at all. Like, this is the least nervous I've been standing on a starting line. This is the least, like, looking around trying to judge the competition, like, which person am I going with? I just went out and ran. It's the first time that I raced just to really see, hey, I wonder what I can do today. Yeah. And it wasn't, I wonder what I can do, as though... If I don't do it today, I, it will never, ever happen again. Yeah. I raced to see what could I do that day. Yeah. And you went for it. And that's the thing that's like so incredible. And you still came out of it on the other side positive. Right. I went for it. I completely crashed and burned. Yeah. Um, as my mom will point out, yeah, I would like to crash and burn also and be running eight minute pace, but (laughs) yeah, your slowest mile was like an eight Oh one or like an eight thirteen or something like that. But where you had to like walk multiple times throughout that mile. Right. But when the, when the goal is to be running somewhere around five forty, eight is well off the goal. Right. So, you know, you can can work the math. Like if your goal is to be running 10 minute miles and you dropped a 13, Mm -hmm. you're not hitting the pay. That's, that could be considered crashing and burning. So that's what happened. I, I went all in. I took the giant leap, you know, the, the, what's the line leap and you'll build wings on the way down. Mm. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to grab all this stuff and I'll just make the wings on the way down. And it turned out that the left wing didn't work. Mm. Oops. Oops. (laughs) But like, I feel like this is what that race was meant to do like this is exactly what it was meant to be for you because it proved to your like you just proved to yourself that even if you don't hit the the goal that you have set there are still so many positive things that you brought away from this race already and like you're just kind of starting in this self-reflection process right now so many positive things because what i went into it with was and you're not faking it either no (laughs) like you're genuinely not faking it i know which is like you were so confused for a while on the way home (laughs) and like now i'm I'm good. Yeah. Um, Because it's one thing to like preach it, you know, like we, like there's sometimes that you know exactly what you need to do, but actually putting those things into practice is not the easiest thing. Doctor heal thyself. Right. You know, I mean, doctors (laughs) are the worst patients a lot of times, you know, coaches are sometimes the worst runners. Like I know what I'm supposed to do. Right. I know that if I like, I need to have the result. I need to train for the result. I need to be the result Mm -hmm. so that I can have the results and, but then if I don't get them, I'm going to be pissed off. Right. But like when you go into the race, you have to act as though you are completely capable of the results. I know, like I didn't hit the time. I know for a fact right now, I am a sub 235 marathoner. I am. I've never hit that time, but I am a sub 235 marathoner mm-hmm. regardless of what the finish time is. Um, Cause I know that I am capable of doing that. Yeah. So I didn't need a clock to tell me that I could do that, which I never would have said that a couple years ago. I would have told other people, just give me everything you possibly can. We tell this to the kids at the state meet every year. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about the finish line. Don't worry about what the clock says when you cross it. That does not judge your season. When you come back to the tent and I say, did you run as fast as you could today? And you can honestly tell me yes, then what else can you do but smile? And that's what I did. (laughs) I, I ran a 243 
but I went as hard as I possibly could for as long as I possibly could. So what else can I do but smile? Yeah. I love it. I mean, it just, it makes me so happy. And, and like, as, as awesome as it would have been for you to actually hit that time, like, and have that victory lap, you know, after the two years, like, this is almost better in a way. Yeah. Um, in a weird way. And obviously that's coming from me, the, 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 not the person that ran the <laughs> race, you know, but just to see you this way after you don't achieve the goal is really special because I know that there is a huge change in you that, yeah. is, that has occurred. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing is the, the mental preparation for this race, I mentally prepared for two years. And instead of making the race be this huge make or break thing, yeah. it ended up that the race didn't matter all that much, mm. which is so weird because yeah. it was like, no, no, no. I have to do the marathon to prove that I can do another marathon. And I didn't, mm. I was crushing all sorts of crazy workouts. And, and I'm not going to say like, I've looked back at the training. Like I always look back at the training and I don't think that I left it all on a treadmill somewhere or on, you know, the loops around our neighborhood. I, I think I trained well for it. And I don't think that I overtrained and, and basically ran my race a few weeks beforehand. I think that I, I trained a effectively and it just didn't happen that day okay so let's talk about why it didn't happen that day because you've had some time to like think about it and reflect on it now right so why do you think you didn't hit the goals like what do you think went wrong I mean I got I got a whole bunch of random guesses I'm not sure like you can always look at the training plan I always do and I'm like oh well I would have done this differently I would have done a more extended steady state I would have done longer runs with a fast finish at the end of them like I did that for um, both my last marathons, I would, I threw a few of those into the training cycle that it was a 20 mile run, but the last three miles I dropped down to like half marathon or 10 K race pace, mm. which is really hard by yeah. the way. Yeah. Um, and you need like almost a week to recover from that. Like you can do like maybe, uh, like casual effort base where you're not looking at paces during the next week. Cause that race, that workout is really, really hard. That's brutal, yeah. Um, so I didn't do that. So, I mean, there's a couple of like workouts that I didn't put into this cycle. I tried a couple of different workouts. I did, um, five mile repeats. Mm -hmm. I did three mile repeats. I tried some different things. Um, so there's always different things that I could adjust to my training cycle. Um, I don't know if I was hydrated as much as I could be. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about this on the way home about like, should I have carried my own water? Um, should I race literally with a hydration pack? Like there's a lot of people. And if, if you're out there and you're running a marathon in like five hours, don't rely on the cups of water on the side, strap a hydration pack to your back. Mm -hmm. And I passed so many people in this race that were all wearing Almost all of them had the same one. Yeah. So apparently that's the one to go for. Nathan is yeah. the one that most people it's, wear. And they, there's like matching things on like so many of the runs in the race. And if you're going to be out there for hours and hours, you want to make sure you're getting enough water into yourself. Yeah. So, you know, there's that. Um, well, because cramping was like the main issue. Like cramping leg was a cramping. big issue. So like that makes me think like hydration and fueling. Right. But I think that I was doing fine on getting enough um, fuel into me. Do you think you had enough the day before though? I think I had enough the day before. Okay. And I think that I was doing I don't think that I overhydrated the day before because we were in the car for a long time. Right. Um, and being like the car traveler, I didn't want to have to keep stopping and going to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. But since we were traveling with a seven year old, <laughs> we still.
still had to keep stopping and going to the bathroom. So I just should have been chugging water that yeah. day because we were stopping anyway. Well, and it, I mean, do you think also being in the car for that long of a period of time in like a seated position probably like, I mean, may have added to something? Maybe. Uh, who knows? Who knows, yeah. Um, but that, you know, there's that guy out there. Um, shoes. Shoes. I always go to the shoes. Yeah, you mentioned that. I, because there's there's a definite difference. And I mean, this kind of gets nitpicky and, and detailed, so we may lose some people on this. So I'll briefly cover it. But there's a difference in the, the heel drop from my training shoes to my racing shoes. Yeah. And there's a difference literally in just the heel height. So it's possible that like my Achilles gets stretched differently in my racing shoes versus my training shoes. Yeah. So since I'm not trying to run like my 5k pace, do I even need racing flats for a marathon? Yeah. Did Could you do I... any training runs in your racing flats? Yes. I ran the three by five mile in my racing flats. On the treadmill. On a treadmill. Mm-hmm. But that gets you to 15 miles. Right. And my legs were hurting by the end of that one. Yeah. So if I had tried to throw a fourth five-mile repeat into it, would my legs have completely seized up on me? Right. So um, I don't know. So shoes and hydration are like the couple of big ones that I'm looking at. There's always ways that you can manipulate the training things. But I really fully believe that there is not a magic workout that you have to get that thing in right. in order to be well prepared. I was well prepared. You were physically. well prepared physically for yep. this race. Like I, I really thought you had this one nailed in, in, in the bag. Um, so that is interesting. Like whether or not you want to continue racing in racing flats or if you want to just maybe try one in trainers, if that's what you're used to. I mean, I have a couple of thoughts on this, but yeah. I, it's it's also the first week of school back in January, so um, I have not had time to do any shoe research. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. so maybe a different episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you had some ideas of maybe things that you might want to try or change in future races. I mean, I don't think whether it's a good or a bad race, you're ever going to have like, yep, that was it. That was perfect. I would never change anything. Right. All runners are always looking to tweak You're always going to analyze things and see where you can improve. Um, But were there any other like big lessons that you took away from this race? So other other, like much bigger lessons than like nitpicking my training. Yeah. Um, I did what I wanted to do and I still missed the goal. And yet afterwards I'm still loved. I'm still supported and I'm still going to go out and keep training and racing as hard as I possibly can. Like it's not like I crossed the finish line slower than was my goal. And therefore you and the girls didn't hug me afterwards. Mm. Like I couldn't have smelled good. And all three of you were like all over. Like it was yeah. <laughs> like you, you wouldn't let me walk on my own. I think you I, had a hard time walking on your own. <laughs> okay. I, I just stood next to you and said, go ahead and lean on me. <laughs> it's okay. If you want to lean on me, babe, I got you. Like I just need to just take me over near that chair and I'll just fall down on it. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> I'm aiming for that chair right over there. <laughs> the, nope. The closer one. He, he looked a little like Frankenstein walking around. It was painful. I, I barely made it through those last four. Yeah. Um, but the, the result didn't change the support around me and it didn't change my, my mindset for the next race. Like, it's not like, Oh, I missed my goal. I guess I'm a failure and I'm done with this or, Oh, now people don't love me. Like, I'm still loved and supported. Like, shoot, you went live with that Facebook video, and I am loved and supported by a whole bunch of people who I don't, I've never met in my life. Right. You know, like I've virtually met, but I've never physically met these people, and I've got congratulations from all sorts of people coming in. That's huge. There were well wishes before the race started from so many people who I've never physically met all around the world like there's a lot of support and that's awesome and and no one looked at my finish time and went like oh 
unfriend that person. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that didn't happen. Right. Like that, that's the thing. Is no one fired you as their coach. No, no one looked at the <laughs> results and we're just like, oh man, he couldn't bring it in for the final six miles. He doesn't know what he's doing. We can't listen to this guy anymore. We can't be yeah. friends with this guy. We can't support this guy other than your sister who told me that she doesn't hang out with people if they don't win the race. <laughs> That sounds like something she'd say. <laughs> Have fun in Jacksonville. I hope you win it because I don't hang out with second place losers, I believe was what <laughs> she sent us off with. Ah, sarcasm. <laughs> you gotta love sisters. Um, so that was a big one. Um, a- another huge lesson is I completely separated my personal self-worth and, and value from the number on the clock. That's huge. That I mean, and I did it before the race started. I think that I mean that's so huge because of how ingrained runner is in your identity, like your identity and who you are as a person is runner. Like that is such a huge part of who you are. So to be able to separate your self worth from the result is huge. Yeah, and it's it's funny because partway through the race. Um, as I'm trying to, you know, do the math calculations of how fast I might be able to come in, mm-hmm. I have my A, B, and C, and C is it's like one thirty or two thirty seven something. It's whatever six minute pace works out to. It's around two thirty seven twenty, and we're partway through the race. I don't know somewhere thirteen fifteen miles. And I'm trying to do the math. And I'm like, am I going to be able to PR? And then I thought, wait, what is my marathon PR? <laughs> and I I could not remember it for the life of me <laughs> because my self worth is not how what the number on a clock said when I crossed a random finish line somewhere like I am a runner I'm not a runner who's run a marathon in this amount of time I'm not a runner who's hit this PR for a 5k so many runners get together and they're like oh what's your PR in this and it's it's fine it's a perfectly good question but it doesn't make that person a better or worse person right if you want to suggest if you want to suggest it makes them a better or worse runner i think you're wrong on that one also yeah like it doesn't really change what kind of a runner they are they happen to finish at a different spot in the race than a different runner but it doesn't make them better or worse well and like you pointed out before too like you running a marathon in like two and a half hours is so much different of an experience than someone that's running four or five hours and that because and you're like i don't even know if i could do that because that's that's being out there on your feet for so long you know that's just so much that's so taxing on the body so you are in awe of those people also like in a different way like because they're just able to push through for that long of a period of time yeah i have definitely said that like if you if you're out here listening to this and you're like i could never hit those times i run five hours for a marathon oh my god that is amazing yeah like you ran you like you just kept running for five hours yeah and just you just kept on going yeah like that is someone who's like, yeah, That's I'm incredible. not stopping. Right. I am going to keep going. I'm going to take a walking break right now. And then I'm going to keep on going right. because I'm only four hours. I got another hour of this. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, there's people that do them like in six hours. <laughs> that is phenomenal right. how long you are able to endure and keep on going. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to you. Yeah. And if you're out there and you're listening, you're like, I run 5Ks. Great. If you want to run a longer one, you could. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Because yeah. the the distance that you race does not define you as a runner. It definitely doesn't define you as a person. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you better or worse. Right. You're a runner because you run. I could not agree more. 
All right, last last major lesson from the race. Yep. When you surround yourself with the right people, you have the freedom to try amazing things. Ooh, I like that one. It kind of goes back to the one a couple couple rounds ago. Really, both of the last ones is the results don't determine your self worth. And if the results are woohoo, let's celebrate because that was amazing, or the results are oh wow, that was looked painful and crashed and burned, you're still going to be loved if you surround yourself with the right people. If you surround yourself with amazing, supportive people, they're just going to lift you up. They're not going to look at your success and be like, damn, I can't get that because they got it instead. They're cheering on every success you have. Any success that you have is a ch- is proof that that's possible. Mm-hmm. Like. I went over and found the kid that passed me at mile, I say kid because he was 21, um, that passed me around mile like 14 and just kept pulling away Mm -hmm. and he ended up second in the race. I went over and found him afterwards and congratulated him. I'm not going to not congratulate this kid because he finished second. Like, way to go, dude. That was awesome. His his running that time didn't take anything away, and you'd be like, "Well, if he wasn't in the race, you would have finished another place higher." So who cares? It wouldn't would not have affected my time. It would not have affected the race. It would not have affected how I felt after the race. Super painful, super full of joy, knowing that I went for it. Like him also being that race was just another person also seeing what they were physically capable of doing. He had his own little surrounding of people who were supporting him. Yeah. Like he had, he had his his supporters, like everybody, everybody at the race. And it's so funny. You watch people come across the finish line and then they roll over to their little support crew. Yeah. Some people have a support crew of one. Some people have a little cluster. Some times the support crew have like signs, whatever it is, but everybody's got their support crew. Maybe they finish there on their phone and calling their support crew because they just woke up because they slept in. Like what? Whatever it is, everybody's got their support crew. And when your support crew is the right people, it gives you the chance to try because you're the right support crew just wants your success. And if you try and you miss, they're still there. Yeah. And, you know, you felt supported in this. And I really felt a lot of love and support from my crew, too, which was amazing. Not just in the tribe, but, like, also in my, like, local running group. Like, there were so many of my friends um, that – and, you know, friends, too. Like, running group friends and regular friends that all just, like – were texting me and saying, like, how's it going? We're we're so excited. We're tracking you. And we're so, you know – concerned about how you were going to do and how you felt and how's, how's Kevin feeling? Is he ready? Like, you know, there was a lot of discussion in my circle. Thank you for shielding me from a lot of that. Cause yeah. that, that adds to the nerves. Like, how's he feeling? The, like one of the worst things you can ask somebody like the day before a marathon is how you feeling? Do you right. feel ready for it? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, I don't. doesn't matter. You're, you're, you're ready. That's as ready as you're going to get. Right. Um, but you know, I really felt a lot of love and support too, because people that know our story and your story, um, leading up to this race, were all so just, there's so much love and support in, in our circle. And it just like really showed us how, you know, like you said, the results don't really matter, but, but like the people that we're surrounded by, we are just so unbelievably blessed, um, to be a part of all these people's lives and to them, for them to be a part of ours, that it just is one of those things that you, you can't trade that you can't, it's, you know, that's worth so much more. It's just absolutely priceless. Yeah. It's, it's the people that's at the end of the day, that's what matters. It's that you've connected with the right people around you and those people don't care what the number on the clock says. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it matters. 
you know, it might matter to you. And sometimes you're going to lay there and, you know, I'm not saying that I've reached running enlightenment and the number on the clock no longer matters. I it just, still matters. It matters. Yeah. And, you know, there are days where it matters more. There are days where I'm like, dang it, I really, I should have pulled back on mile three and then I could have done it. And then five minutes later, I'm like, no, I shouldn't have. That was, that was I ran that thing I correctly. felt good. Yeah, you like, felt good that day. So... You know, but when you surround yourself with the right people, it gives you it gives you the chance. And if you don't give yourself a chance to do something amazing, how do you ever know if you can? That you know? is such a good quote. Pull that quote out right there. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, so any final thoughts? I mean, I think that's a perfect place to wrap up personally. Yeah, yeah. I think that I, I worked on that one. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a really good one. So thank you for sharing that with us like this is obviously a very vulnerable place for you to be to just totally recap this race and so i thought i was gonna get choked up in this episode but you did slightly i know I, but I it's weird because I, I there's still such an awkward happiness surrounding this thing yeah that I, I say awkward because give me like three or four years ago and i had this race result trust me i it's a week later and i would still be you know, semi grumpy. Yeah. Like I'd be faking happiness at this point in mm-hmm. time and I'd be faking it well cause it's several days removed, but mm-hmm. I would still have underlying grumpiness. And, you would. And it's not, it's just not it's there. It's not there. I don't <laughs> feel it at all. Um, so anyway, thank you. I just want to acknowledge you and you know, just thank you so much for sharing this journey with us and with all of our tribe in our community. I'm sorry I scared you on the last six miles. Well, you know what? It's okay. <laughs> it all worked out all right. And I just, it, it just, it tested my faith too. You know, it tested my faith and, and I just had to, I just had to dig in and have faith that it was all going to be okay. And yeah. it, and it was, and it was, and it was. So that wraps up our episode. Um, and so that takes us to our runner of the week. Yes, runner of the week. And um, do you want to do the journal? Our runner of the week this week is you. Hey! <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> so we are we are going to acknowledge Kevin as the runner of the week. He has no idea. He's <laughs> he's kind of smiling and, and turning red right now. Um, but I want to acknowledge you for everything that you just shared with us. Um, and I think that this is a really important story that you've shared and the, the journey that you've been on the last couple of years. Um, and so you are our runner of the week this week and I'm proud of you and I love you. And, um, I couldn't be happier with how everything worked out. Well, now you have me getting all emotional. (laughs) So anyway, he did not know that was coming. Um, so I, I'm just super proud of you. Thank you. I love you. I love you too. All right. So that is what we have for you guys this week. Thank you so much for spending this time with us today. And thank you to everyone that has been participating in our five-day running challenge this week. It has been so much fun. It has been so engaging. Like, I think I have absolutely loved interacting with everyone that's doing this challenge. I think this is the most posts I've had in Facebook in all of 2019. I've done that many in 2020 so far. (laughs) Just in the challenge alone. Just in the challenge alone. (laughs) So thank you to all of our participants. Um, You guys are doing amazing things with this challenge, and I am so excited to, to see how this is going to help you to improve your running um, in 2020. And if that sounds like something that you are interested in, how to improve your running, our five-day challenge is over, but we are going to be reopening the doors to our Real Life Runners Training Academy. So if you want guidance on how to run faster, run longer, get stronger, and get healthier this year, 
go over to rlrtrainingacademy.com. You can sign up on our waiting list there and you'll be the first ones to know when we open our doors to the Training Academy this week. Perfect. All right. So thank you guys, as always, for spending this time with us today. We appreciate you being with us. We appreciate you spending this time and listening. And we also appreciate when you share with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes as well. If you haven't done that yet, we would absolutely love it. That helps our show to just be seen by more people so that we can help and influence more people to you know, become runners and to take charge of their running and their life and um, you know, just spread the message. So if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, we would absolutely love that. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 122. Now get out there and run your life. <laughs>